This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Going well, it's day. Hope your Tuesday is going well. It's Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. A little bit of a uh, mishmash kind of week. I was here last night, here tonight, off to Vancouver tomorrow. Uh, first time on a plane since uh, I flew home from the East Final from uh, Hamilton. Actually, well, it was from Toronto. Drove uh, from Hamilton to Toronto that night and then took an early flight home. That's the last time. So just say I'm anxiously anticipating and wondering how it's going to be tomorrow. Although I, I have heard it's, you know, you got to mask up and things like that. It's, it's, it's not too bad. And air travel isn't exactly booming yet. So it just will be something that I haven't done for a long, long time, but looking forward to heading to Vancouver and seeing the Edmonton Elks play the uh, BC Lions on Thursday. So that means Brendan Escott is in, the big inside sports chair tomorrow. Cam Moon is doing Oilers now tomorrow. Solo. Mooner can do it. And then Friday I'll be back. So it's uh, it's kind of one of those, uh, Kellen Kennedy, where you got to yeah. get the program. You can't tell the players without the program. <laughs> exactly. We'll be, we'll be selling programs at the front lobby for free dollars and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the price was uh, back it, in the day. I can't remember now. But. Exactly. Yeah, 25 cents and a stick of gum. Like exactly. That. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I saw uh, Cam and uh, Escott as I came in this afternoon. Kind of today's show was a little bit of a dry run, so uh, Mooner's got the got the mothership of Oilers now here for uh, what did you say tomorrow? It, it, it is it? Yeah. yeah tomorrow, so, and I there believe uh, Escott's back on Thursday. Yeah. And of course, we don't have a show Thursday night because we got football, and I'll be back Friday. So there we you go. The, we That's had the big show goes. Thursday night. We got the big football game. So there we go. Yeah, looking forward to that. So if anyone has any sort of uh, uh, tips or, you know, what it's like right now uh, at the uh, at the old airport, uh, let me know. You can text in at uh, 780-496-0063. Blue Jays are getting smoked tonight. 8-3 by the Washington Nationals. They also put George Springer on the 10-day DL again. It's been a tough year for uh, the Jays as far as having George Springer in their lineup, left knee sprain. Uh, Elks practicing for the final time today and, and this week before they head off to Vancouver tomorrow and take on the Lions. The injury report, uh, Armonte Edwards limited with a knee injury, so it might be a change in the receiving core. Could there be a change in the secondary? Jonathan Rose, who is the, uh, the uh, strong side corner, Limited with a knee injury, so we're going to have to watch that when the depth chart and roster is released tomorrow. Uh, looks like Kyle Saxlid very much will get back in the lineup, into the starting lineup on, along the offensive line. Uh, he's uh, good to go. Been dealing with a back injury, and Brian Walker cleared COVID, uh, COVID protocol. He was uh, on the field yesterday in limited participation. He was full today, and that linebacking core could definitely use Walker, no question about it. 
the Calgary Stampede, right. teams are combined 0-4 to start a season for the first time since 1966. That's amazing. The Stampede, though, they will not for, uh, but he's on the six-game injured list with a broken fibula. Not good. They don't know whether it'll be McLeod Bethel-Thompson or Nick Arbuckle who will start in their home opener against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bethel-Thompson has started the last two games for the Argos, but was replaced by Arbuckle in a loss to the Bombers last week. Michael Riley, CFL Top Performer of the Week, 342 yards, a rushing touchdown, 59 win over the Stampeders. Defensive lineman Jonathan Woodard, quarterback Cody Fajardo, both from the Riders, both named second and third stars or performers of the week, respectively. Woodward had three sacks in a 38 win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Fajardo, 222 yards passing, two touchdowns, rushed for 66 yards, and a touchdown. Yesterday, Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors, was named as the coach of the men's. Olympic or men's national team for the Olympic cycle heading into 2024. The team did not make it this time around. They lost a heartbreaking semifinal game to the Czech Republic in Victoria in that last chance tournament. And to talk about Nick Nurse coming aboard once again is the president and CEO of Canada basketball, Glenn Grunwald. Glenn, nice to have you back on the show. How you doing? I'm uh, very well, Dave. Uh, you know, excited about, uh, basketball and uh, we had a big announcement the other day so at uh, the future looks a little bit brighter today yeah nick nurse uh, maybe he rehired himself uh because <laughs> he said 48 hours after we lost in the semifinal for the uh, 2020 olympic uh, or the last chance tournament i was already thinking about paris uh but yeah the big announcement was yesterday it was official that nick nurse is aboard uh to help to try and get the men's basketball team in the Olympics in 2024. Um, this might sound like a silly question, but I got to ask it anyway. Uh, what does this mean for the program? Well, you know, it means we're, we're, we're back at it. We're, we're reinvigorated. We're more motivated than ever to get our men's team to the uh, Olympics and to, and to, and to medal when we get there. And, you know, we've, we've had great success with our women's teams getting to the Olympics. Uh, in large part thanks to Edmonton serving as our national training center for the women's program. But we've got to also move them forward too. You know, we we were a bit disappointed that we didn't get to the podium this time around. But there's, you know, there's reasons for that. We're doing our evaluations now, but we're also, we don't have time to waste. It's a, it's not a four-year cycle this time around. It's only three years. And so we've we've got to get moving. And and the great thing about Nick is he's he's totally committed to it. He's works he works so hard at it in terms of not only just coaching the team, but in terms of talking to the players, recruiting, thinking about things, making plans, and working with uh, Rowan Barrett and Michael Meeks, uh, the people that run the men's high performance program here at Canada Basketball. So it's it's good that we've got uh, you know from the top the people committed and working hard already to to get to where we want to go. You know, it's not an easy task, I imagine, for Nick because he's the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. There's lots of responsibilities there. There's responsibilities with the national team. But from what you've seen of Nick, what what impresses you about his work ethic and how he's able to to be all in when he's all in when we're talking about the Canadian men's national team? Yeah, no, he he works at it every day, and 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 he is totally committed. Like. Uh, we didn't have to do any arm twisting or anything like that. In fact, he was probably the one doing the arm twisting <laughs> because he wanted to come back and and uh, and make sure that he had a chance to. Well, I think what he sees, you know, redeem himself. Even though I think he did an excellent job uh, 
uh, with us over the last three year, three years that he's been the national team head coach. But I know he feels very badly, and he said, "Like I don't often lose sleep over this. I'm off and on to the next thing." But, but the but the loss in Victoria for the Olympic qualifying tournament really bugged him and stuck with him, and he's been stewing over it for a while. So he wants to get back there and and get us to where we want to go. Glenn Grunwald joining us, the president and CEO of Canada Basketball here on 6:30. Chat Inside Sports. You, you you mentioned the tournament in Victoria. It was exciting. It was maybe the best roster this country has ever seen. I know there were some pieces missing. Uh, unfortunately, the semifinal game against the Czechs was it was kind of a frustrating game. But then the last minute was incredible, and then overtime the the shooting kind of dried up a little bit. Um, but the one thing that you said yesterday and that Nick said yesterday is one: we need the best players available to play. But two, we need a commitment. We need basically more of a, a a program, maybe like what the U.S. basketball team has. How important is that to have the, the the commitment from the players? Because it's one thing to slap a bunch of great players together, but it's another thing to just build on a cycle. And like you say, it's a three-year cycle, uh, so it's going to be a shorter uh, shorter cycle, but how important is that to have a commitment from a from a bunch of players that they're going to be all in for Paris? Yeah, no, it's very important. I think uh, you know, you know, unless you have truly overwhelming talent like the Dream Team back in Barcelona, right, uh, where it was just you know they didn't have to do anything other than you know say whose turn is it to shoot. Uh, you know, that's changed. Uh, basketball around the world has improved dramatically, and there's a lot of good countries, and we saw. The team we lost to Czech Republic, they've been together for a long time. And to, to learn how to play with each other, to, to build that camaraderie, to invest in something together where you want to get a return on that uh, is very important, uh, the, the emotional, mental aspects of it. And for the coach, too. Uh, he needs to understand how best to, 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 to translate things from the chalkboard, uh, what works and what doesn't, onto the playing floor. And and that's uh, that's not easy to do. You know, the other disadvantage we had this this year was no exhibition games. Normally, mm -hmm. you're able to play a few friendlies to to get yourself situated. But if we're together over time, you know, then we may be able to be more efficient in terms of our preparation. I think you saw that with our women's team. Our women's team has been successful because that group of athletes has stuck together for a long time and understands how to play and win together. You know, and frankly, we. We lost some of that, uh, you know, had we gone to the Olympics in 2020 instead of 2021, we might have had our point guard, me and Marie Langlos, who, who retired uh, in that time frame. And then we had some injuries with our women's team that really hurt our, I think, performance. So in any event, you know, that's the, the way the ball bounces. You know, timing is important and the, 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 the pandemic uh, affected all teams, maybe not equally, but I think, uh, you know, we, we still can't make excuses. We have to continue to try and do better. And this is one way we want to do it. We want to keep a consistent playing playing group together. The the possibilities for this country on the men's side, though, it's, I mean, you just salivate over the, the possibilities. This is becoming uh, a powerhouse nation. It just has to be proven on the field or on the court, sorry. Yeah, again, again, last summer in 2020, had we done this, uh, Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, two of our top players, weren't hurt. This this year around, they, they were hurt. Kelly Olenek, another top player for us, uh, had a contract situation that he, you know, couldn't risk. So, we're very understandable. So, so I think, you know, again, it's part of its timing. But again, we just need that commitment from our players and that time together 
to grow and together as as a team and be able to compete with these other really good international teams. President and CEO of Canada Basketball, Glenn Grunwald, joining us here on 6:30 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, I want to get your take on the the women's Olympic team and just the the recent performance in uh, Tokyo. And I mean, the environment wasn't you know conventional because of no fans and just you know COVID and things like that. But overall, what did you see? Well, again, uh, it was a, uh, you know, again, we were hoping for a podium finish. We we didn't make it to the medal round. It was agonizing to watch. We lost a couple of close games uh, that, you know, we could have won, uh, but but that's the nature of basketball. Then we were waiting for, you know, other teams to lose by a certain amount of money. The, the, the you know, the, the point differential mattered, and we wound up being the ninth place team. And uh, so, again, we're... We haven't had the time to do the same evaluation about what we need to do better uh, with our women's program just because the Olympics just ended. So we're, we're starting that process right now. We work with a great organization in Canada on the podium, which helps direct financial resources, but also provides a lot of technical support and coaching advice and things of that nature. So we have an annual report due for them in November that we'll prepare for. And we'll see where we go from there. But, but again, I think the women's program is very bright. We've, Going to have some retirements, like I said, uh, our point guard retired, and, and Miranda Am, who, who carried the flag in the opening ceremonies, has retired. Um, so we'll need to replace them, but we have some very bright and upcoming players. Our our women's under nineteen team finished uh, fifth in the world World Cup, and that didn't include a couple of young players that were on actually on the Olympic team. So I think our future is bright, and we need to can continue to work together as as a team to to reach our podium goals. Well, before I let you go, I want to talk about the, the 3x3, which made its uh, debut. I know Canada wasn't represented in uh, men's or, or women's, but, you know, both sides are still very phenomenal. We got some Edmonton flavor here. Obviously, Paul Sears, who's a friend of this show, is doing a lot of work with uh, Canada basketball. But how did the how did 3x3 in the Olympics look? Well, again, it was, wasn't quite as what it could have been because of the lack of fans, right? And so... Uh, but it looked good. I mean, it's a different game. It's a fast-paced game. You know, we we had a, a men's team uh, led by Steve Sir in the uh, uh, Olympic qualifying tournament, and they actually lost to Latvia with some home cooking by the referees there in, in the Olympic qualifying tournament. And Latvia went on to win the gold medal. So, you know, again, we're not that far away uh, from that uh, 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 that medal performance. And we have a very good women's team led by the Plouffe sisters. Yes. Uh, that is uh, playing in a women's series right now. They just finished third in a in a tournament uh, in Europe. So again, uh, we we've got to we've got to figure it out. It's a little bit of the Wild West three on three right now. Uh, FIBA hasn't announced its uh, qualifications for uh, uh, terms for for Paris in 2024 yet for three on three. But we got to find out what that is, and then we've got to strategize on how we're going to get uh, both teams into the three on three in Paris. Glenn, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, exciting news yesterday with uh, Nick Nurse, and uh, I think all arrows are pointing up as far as the national programs are concerned on the men's and women's side. So uh, thank you being so, uh, for being so generous with your time as always, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Dave. Take care. Glenn Grunwald, President and CEO of Canada Basketball on the Certainty Hotline. Professional-grade building materials, pro all the way.
Edmonton Elks getting set to uh, jet off to Vancouver tomorrow to play the BC Lions on Thursday. We have it for you. 6.05 is the extended edition of the countdown to kickoff. That's when it starts with uh, Morley Scott, yours truly, along with Eddie Steele and Blake Dermott. They'll kick it off at 8 o'clock. No Thorpe, who is the defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach, and assistant head coach of the Elks, uh, discussed the uh, significance of the first road game of the season. Get on a plane for the first time in a while. That that's for sure. It's I mean, but um, listen, uh, Vancouver's been home for me, so uh, it's like going back home. I think we're all feel good about having a short week and flushing last week, um, getting the opportunity to go out and play. Obviously, you know, a division opponent um, in their place, and um, yeah, I mean, playing football is great. <laughs> so I mean, we're looking forward to it. And the uh, protocols, COVID protocols changed as well at the start of the week. If you are a fully vaccinated Tier 1 member, that's player or team personnel, you are allowed to uh, go outside without a mask. You can go to a restaurant. So there's some more freedoms for people who are fully vaccinated. But more importantly, well, that's pretty important. When we talk about the play on the field, the Elks just simply need a win. 0-2 0-2 start in a 14-game season, not good. 0-3, huh, you are really reeling. The Lions 1-1. One one. Well, a lot of events canceled last year because of COVID-19. And a lot of them are coming back this year. That's in, That includes the World Triathlon Series. Right after a Tokyo Summer Olympics. That's amazing. Stephen Boudreau, GM of the event, will join us next on Inside Sports. Ready for the Edmonton Elks and BC Lions on Thursday. Catch it live right here on 6:30. Chad, countdown to kickoff begins at six. The kickoff begins at eight o'clock. As the Elks looking for their first win of the season tonight, the Blue Jays are getting roughed up. End of the seventh inning. Now into the top of the eighth. Actually, the Nationals up eight to three on the Jays in Washington. Alec Manoa. Roughed up for six hits, including a double and a homer over three innings of work. Now, Manoa allowed as many earned runs, six tonight, as he had as he had, had over his previous six starts in 35 and one-third inning coming in. That's a stretch from June 25th to August 11th. So, Alec Manoa taking it on the chin tonight. But it's going to happen. Great pitcher. Or will be a great pitcher, I think, one day. Still a very good pitcher now. But uh, just not his night. Well, as the sporting world, as the world gets back to normal, we're we're trying in this COVID era. uh, But a lot of events are coming back. And it includes the uh, annual tradition here in Edmonton of the uh, World Triathlon Series. And to talk about the return and the excitement of this, I'm uh, pleased to have uh, Stephen Bordeaux, the uh, general manager of World Triathlon Series Edmonton. Stephen, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks very much for having me. Nice to have you back. Man, this is uh, 
How are you feeling? I mean, this is this has got to be really. Yeah, you got to be feeling everything: excitement, nerves. Like, do you remember how to do this again? That sort of thing. That's probably everything I would imagine. Yeah, you know what? It's crazy. It's been like a roller coaster ride for 18 months. Um, and it's been like highs and lows. I'm super excited and stoked that we're back, that, you know, we got our permissions and we're able to hold this event this year. Um, but it comes with a lot of weight with it. I mean, it's uh, an incredible amount of work um, trying to deliver an international sporting event in our current climate. And, you know, it's every day. Our athletes started arriving over the weekend and, you know, they got lots of questions and lots of things going on. And we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants here, trying to make this work and do it in a, in a safe manner. Yeah, and I think it's a really cool fact that you get to hold this event right after the Tokyo Olympics, and there's some challenges to that as well because you got protocols and, and things of that nature, but that's a pretty cool uh, cool uh, kind of thing you can hang your hat on is that you got a lot of Olympic medalists coming in, into town as well to compete. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, triathlon is one of the only Olympic sports that has a world championships in Olympic year. A lot of them don't. Um, and it's because, I mean, these these men and women, I mean, they're in the best shape of their life. They've trained for years and years to get to this peak fitness. And, you know, after the Olympics, they want to keep it going. And so we're really stoked and excited that, you know, we're going to have both gold medalists, Laura Duffy from Bermuda, uh, the first gold medal ever for that island nation here in Edmonton racing, and, and Christian Blumfeld from Norway um, racing as well. We're going to have all three men uh, medalists from Tokyo here, uh, you know, and the gold and bronze medalists in the women's race here. And, uh, you know, it's going to be like the Olympic redo. Uh, and talking to some of the athletes, they're super excited because it, it is like an Olympic redo, but they get to do it in front of fans, which is, you know, we're the first race in 18 months where they've been able to race in front of fans. So that's really excited yeah. as well. That's a good point. And there there are fans that will be allowed to come, right? And are you are you limited in the number that, that can watch the race? Yeah, so we've got there's there's two ways to come down and watch the race. So uh, we have a grandstand area down in in Orlac Park where you know it's got the big screen and transition is there, and that's where a lot of the excitement is. And we are limited to a thousand people. Um, it's free, it's, uh, but we do ask people to go online to our website and uh, book their pass and their spot, um, so we can hold to that. Uh, and then the other way is to come down and. Uh, it's, we're not limited with people coming down on course, so they can come down and watch the swim or the bike course or the run course and uh, that's allowed it's actually my wife and kids come down every year it's the best their favorite way to take in the event is to to park over at the zoo or at the kinsman and ride their bikes over to horlack and then follow the race around uh, on their bikes and then be there for the finish and you know what i mean this weekend's not looking too bad i mean it might be on the the cool side when you look at this time of year i mean it's going to be what 19 20 somewhere in that range but i think for athletes to love it i think spectators should love that that temperature as well that that's pretty comfortable yeah you know what it's ideal for the athletes like this is perfect temperature for them um and we've got we're known for having a hard course but a fast course um you know we have one of the hillier courses on the circuit uh and we have a very unique course we're one of the only races that's held in a, in a park environment rather than an urban setting um so the athletes we usually have some really fast racing um and yeah you know what 34 36 degrees is a little too hot for me to sit out in the sun for four hours 
<laughs> yeah, just a bit, just a bit. It's been a hot summer, and it's been a bit of a smoky summer as well. So uh, I think I think the, the the cooler temperatures will be nice uh, uh, for for the event and for the athletes, like you said, and the spectators. As uh, Stephen Bordeaux joins us, general manager of the World Triathlon Series at Edmonton. Uh, speak about the Canadian athletes. Uh, I know Matthew Sharp, who we've had on this show before. Uh, he's a veteran of this race. He's coming back. Yeah, Matt will be here. Uh, you know, he's raced this race since he was a junior. He kind of grew up with this race. It's one of the things that inspired him to go for the pros uh, and go for his Olympic dream, coming down to Horlack and watching those Olympic athletes, Simon Whitfields of the day and the Paula Finleys and such. So uh, he'll be in town. Unfortunately, our two top Canadian uh, women and man, uh, Tyler Mislodchuk, who's top ranked in the world, uh, came down with an Achilles injury in Tokyo. Oh, um, he pushed himself a little bit too hard uh, and wasn't able to race in the relay uh, competition in Tokyo either because of his injury and uh, Emily Kretz um, from Quebec same thing I mean these athletes they're walking the fine line when it comes to the Olympics you know they're just just on that cusp of getting injured or sick uh, and unfortunately what happens is a lot of these athletes after the Olympics when they come down a little bit their bodies sort of say okay I'm done I need a break for a while and that's what we're seeing with our Canadians yeah yeah it's tough when you i mean like you say the pressure of the olympics and just the, the the stress that it puts on an athlete's body it's i mean it i'm just amazed that you know the field is coming here that's that's so great so hopefully hopefully we see you know no, no nothing uh injury wise but it, it is it is a highly competitive sport so you never know but uh uh but you know as we finish up here Tell me about just the process of putting this together. Now, my understanding is the actual go-ahead didn't come until like not too long ago, I think er earlier this month. Uh, but tell me just the process and, and who do you credit as far as helping you get this off the ground and this, this really great project and uh, hasn't been easy because I think for every sport and every organization that has been you know, impacted by COVID and, and coming back, it's, it is challenging. But uh, when you reflect, I mean, who do you give a lot of credit to? <laughs> uh, you know what? I've got to give credit to my team uh, and I got to give credit to the city. Uh, you know, we we were we were faced with sort of the decision and the question mark back last fall when, of course, this event was supposed to be last year and when it um, got postponed. We were asked a really hard question about whether we wanted to actually do this. Um, if we were ready for the work and we were prepared. I mean, a lot of sports and a lot of world championship events that were planned uh, this spring and such, you know, didn't. They decided it wasn't, they weren't up for it. Um, they didn't have the backing, they didn't have the support. But we've been so lucky to have the support of the city uh, and explore Edmonton and the province and Sport Canada. Everybody stepped up in a big way and said, yep, we're going for it. Let's go for it. And uh, even to like up to the to you know just a few weeks ago, we didn't get our final approvals till three weeks ago. Um, we've had huge support from our corporate partners in the community saying, "Yeah, what can we do? We need we need to get back to normal. You know, this is going to bring attention and uh, impact back to Edmonton. Um, you know, this event is." televised globally to over 100 million people and it's going to put Edmonton on the map and so everybody's really stepped up and you know I can't say enough good things about the team and our partners that have got us here. Well Stephen uh, congratulations on getting this this event back it's always exciting to have the triathlon in Edmonton because
there's just so many world-class athletes and it's so impressive what they can do and they're going to put on a show uh, and, and on a weekend where it's going to be like we say pretty good weather-wise so uh, I know there's a lot of work to do in the, the final moments here so uh, all the best with that and just enjoy it Stephen thank you so much for your time yeah I know thanks I really appreciate it Stephen Bordeaux, the uh, general manager of World Triathlon Series Edmonton. Uh, everything kicks off on uh, the uh, 21st. So what would that be? That would be on, uh, yeah, Saturday. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, as he mentioned, the uh, five of the six medalists, including the two gold medalists from the men's and women's triathlon event in Tokyo at the Olympics, will be here. And uh, Stephen also was reading an article on uh, Global News uh, a couple of days ago, and he said, in, in a lot of respects, because you're limited in the Olympics of how many uh, per country men and women you're allowed, it's not the case here. There's going to be more athletes involved, so it's a it's a bit of a deeper field. And then you got the CEBL Championship Weekend, Edmonton Stingers. The semifinal is on uh, their semifinals on uh, Saturday or sorry Friday night at the uh, Hive at the Expo Center, as they're going to take on the Ottawa Blackjacks. So. Uh, 13 and 1. The uh, Stingers are the defending champion. Yeah, could be in line to def to have back-to-back -back championships here in Edmonton for the Canadian Elite Basketball League. So pretty exciting sports weekend coming. And let's hope for uh, an Edmonton Elks win on Thursday as well. Back to wrap up Inside Sports in a moment. send a big congratulations out to one of the best people in the football business and one of the best uh just 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 a great person to to cover during his time here with uh, the Edmonton football team and uh he has recently retired signed with the Argos uh was uh, released and he signed with the Alouettes then he retired from uh, the game of football as a as a player I'm talking about Natea Jay and uh today it was revealed that he is a new color analyst for Toronto Argos football on TSN 1050 in Toronto to uh, join Mike Hogan in the broadcast booth. And uh, I think this is phenomenal. And Nate is going to do a great job. So congratulations, Nate. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing you. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to definitely be tuning in. Mm -hmm. that, that's great. That's, that's great. That's awesome stuff. I'm, I, I can remember. Uh, what was it? Three years ago, he was our guest analyst at the uh, 2018 Grey Cup. He was our man on the street. Interviewing That's people. right. Doing yep. all the events, doing the zip line, and yep. uh, you know when Morley wouldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> you know, someone. You know, hey, he had to. He had to interview Nate after doing all the all the fun stuff. So yeah, Nate is one of the most well versed people and uh, good people you'll ever meet. So yep. really happy for him. So Nate is going to do great. Uh, so we talk about uh, mention about the the Raiders. Wasn't that a great headline though? Hey. Uh, well, not great. It's kind of funny. Uh, you will not be shot on sight if, uh, like, shot, but you will have a jab in the arm. It is if the only way, if that is the only way you can watch the game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas of your Raiders. Uh, you know, if, uh, if 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 you're unvaccinated and you get a jab, you can go in. Although that's weird too, because isn't it two weeks before 
the vaccine takes effect in your body. I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> I think probably for legal ease and that stuff, it's that's probably why they they have it as I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think but, you're right. But I, but I do like the five man electrical band uh, uh, reference in the headline title. From <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, the, the, the talk about mandatory vaccines and proving that you're fully vaccinated to attend you know, sporting event and concerts, and you're going to have to do that, I think, on on, on air travel and and uh, transportation, that sort of thing. And, and MLSE said today, look, if you want to come watch an event in our venues with our sports teams, then you're going to have to prove you're fully vaccinated or you're going to have to prove a negative COVID-19 test. Mm-hmm. Now, the NHL mandated vaccines. Now, the CFL hasn't done that, but they do have the 85% threshold and the forfeit rule the the nfl has the same thing so if you have an outbreak and you can't play and you're not at 85 well actually if you can't play you forfeit you lose and if you're at 85 percent vaccinated you get your money if you're not you don't uh john shannon who joined brendan escott and cam moon and orders now uh, spoke about mandated vaccines in the nhl I think what, the way to interpret uh, the memo that was sent to all the clubs and will eventually be sent to the media and to all the rights holders is is that if you expect to have contact uh, with the hockey clubs, uh, you're going to have to be fully vaccinated. Um, the key thing in all this, Brendan, is this is not directly telling the NHL Players Association they have to be fully vaccinated. Uh, That is something that is still being negotiated. Uh, Full vaccination, a mandated full vaccination of the NHL Players Association members uh, would have to be collectively bargained. Uh, And at this point, we're still working through uh, those protocols between the National Hockey League and the National Hockey League Players Association. Now, if you you take a look at what other teams and other leagues have done particularly uh, and created a separate set of rules for fully vaccinated players versus non-vaccinated players, uh, I think you can interpret where we're going. But as of right now, there is there is a recommendation that players be vaccinated, but it is not 100% mandated. And Shannon, in addition to this, how about peer pressure for NHL players being vaccinated? Well, I think peer pressure is going to be the major impetus for all of this. Um, I mean, take a look what the NFL are doing. Uh, Take a look what the CFL are doing. Uh, There is a chance that if uh, your team has, you know, forced to cancel a game, uh, and it's uh, and, and 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 that team will have to have the game forfeited. Um, you'll lose a paycheck. Uh, now I don't think it's that way now because football does not have guaranteed contracts. Uh, I don't think it's that way in the National Hockey League yet. But I do think that there's a ton of pressure uh, from the National Hockey League, from both uh, Health Canada and the CDC, to say, listen, if if we're going to allow the NHL to get back to normal uh vaccinations are going to have to be very important and high on the list and but at the same time in day-to-day life there are people that don't want to get vaccinated for whatever reason Uh, and you and you in a democracy you have to respect that at this point however private business private business can mandate the provincial government for instance in manitoba has mandated if you want to get in the building 
at all. Uh, like for the Bomber games or for the Jets games, you're going to have to be fully vaccinated. Uh, that does not include the players who are playing the games as of yet. So we're going to, I, I think that this is going to be part of a negotiation. Something tells me it's going to dovetail into the Olympic agreement because COVID and COVID insurance is very important for the Olympic agreement. So we're going to have to wait and see over the next two or three weeks what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Something to watch for sure. The Elks uh, preparing to play the BC Lions on Thursday from BC Place Stadium in Vancouver. We got the game for you with Morley Scott, yours truly, Eddie Steele, Blake Dermott at 6 o'clock for countdown to kickoff, 8 o'clock for the kickoff. And Mike Ry- Michael Riley, who is the top performer in the CFL after a 342-yard performance and a win over the Calgary Stampeders last week. Noel Thorpe, who's the Elks defensive coordinator, says what makes Mike Riley uh, very, very tough is how he's always very, very good at holding the ball in the pocket to look for something down downfield that he wants. Yeah, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for, for Michael Riley in, in that regard. He's a guy that will stand in the pocket and, you know, he will take a hit to deliver a strike downfield and and that throughout the course of his he's, he's proven that time and time again but also over the course of his career you've seen his ability to gain yards and move the chains with his legs so he's not afraid to, to run he's looking to throw the ball first um you know and he's been elusive downfield i mean he's a big quarterback that you know, still, I mean, I know that uh, he's getting on his career a little bit, but still willing to to deliver a blow and uh, and run behind his pads when he crosses the line of scrimmage. So we'll see what happens. Uh, as far as the injury report is concerned, Omani Edwards, receiver, limited with a knee injury. Also, Jonathan Rose, uh, their strong side corner, limited with a knee injury as well. So it uh, doesn't look like Edwards will go. We'll have to see about Rose tomorrow when the depth chart's released. Kyle Saxlid, offensive lineman, uh, full participation coming back from a back injury. And linebacker Brian Walker, COVID protocol, he's cleared that. He was a full participant. And the, he might be uh, in the starting lineup as well. We thank... Those that were on the Certainty Hotline, professional-grade building materials pro all the way. We thank uh, Gene Principe of Sportsnet, BC Lions President and CEO Rick Lawlisher, President and CEO of Canada Basketball, Glenn Grunwald, and Stephen Bordeaux, GM of World Triathlon Series Edmonton. Brendan Escott in the chair tomorrow for Inside Sports from 6 to 8, football game on Thursday. I'll talk to you in this time slot again. Well, I guess I will on Thursday. But for Inside Sports on Friday, for studio producer Kellen Kennedy, thanks to Brendan Clack, our producer uh, this week on Inside Sports. I'm Dave Campbell, and Adler is next. Good night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.